On this week's episode, Shang-Chi grants us a first look. Spider-Man will land someday on Disney Plus. And is the rise of Netflix almost over? All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, Game Source, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows. And if you can, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything that you can to support us right here at Pop Culture Cosmos, it is sincerely appreciated. But it wouldn't be a PCC multiverse without my good friend. It's our own Castle PCC with a K on the Twitter and Instagram. You got to check out what he's doing today when it concerns drones out there on Twitter and Instagram at Castle PCC with a K. It is my good friend indeed. It is Marcus De La Garza and Marcus Pop Culture Galore, my friend. Pop Culture Galore is available for you this week. Yeah, man, we've got a really interesting spread of topics here. You know, it's been a wild week for me personally. I've had a week of minor inconveniences, flat tire, loss of windshield wiper fluid out of, you know, the reservoir somehow, blah, 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 blah. It goes on, ordered a Jimmy John sandwich and ended up having a 30-minute Jimmy John's experience last night after they ran out of bread. So just the week of minor inconveniences, man, it's been a wild. I mean, I got hung up at a uh, train track tonight for about 30 minutes, so... If I stub my toe getting into bed tonight, it might be over at that point. Oh, my Uh, gosh. I do that every day. When you have a size 14-foot beds, tables, sidewalls, (laughs) boom, it hits right there for you and pain. It's funny because I did it earlier today against the table, side table, and my my wife and my daughter look at me like, Dad, stop with the drama. I'm in pain. (laughs) I feel like Jamie makes fun of me a lot. I do the Peter Griffin. Yeah, yeah. But I'll tell you what, we truly appreciate everybody watching and listening for today's program. We've got a great show for you today, and we're looking forward to going ahead and bringing it to you wherever you're listening to it, whether it's on podcasts or radio stations all over the world. We cannot thank you enough for doing so. On this week's show, we've got a lot of great stuff to talk about, including Disney and Sony making a deal. Ooh, what's the deal about and what will happen? Well, for you Disney Plus, Hulu, and other Disney outlet viewers, it'll mean some good news for you eventually. And we'll talk about that coming up on the show. We're also going to be talking about some good things when it concerns Mortal Kombat. Because Mortal Kombat is coming to theaters and HBO Max this weekend. We're excited for it. Are you? We're going to talk about that coming up here in a bit in the early talk about it. Some of the things that have been said and reviewed about. We'll talk about that here in a second. The future of Call of Duty, COD, 
The reason why we need to talk about the future of Call of Duty is because Call of Duty Warzone has hit 100 million subscribers, 100 million players, 100 million, whatever you want to call them. 100 million warriors are now on Call of Duty Warzone. Seems like 100 million streamers, but 100 million players are now on Call of Duty Warzone. And that leads me into the question I'm going to ask Marcus about the future of Call of Duty and should it veer into Warzone and veer away from the traditional year releases. We're going to go ahead and talk about that coming up in the show as well. We have some Oscar predictions, final Oscar predictions, because you know what? Sunday night is the Oscars, so we'll be talking about our final Oscar predictions, and we have some odds on who the favorites will be. So we'll talk about that on the back end of the show. And Netflix has Shadow and Bone their fantasy series coming to Netflix. And we'll also talk about the company itself. They reported some subscribers during this past week, just like HBO Max is. Who's got the good news with subscribers and who's got the bad news with subscribers? We'll talk about that on the show as well. But first, my friend, it is Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings trailer. They dropped a trailer for the star's birthday. He was so happy that they dropped it on his birthday on Monday. And I'm all of us Marvel fans were as well, because after this weekend and the last episode of the Falcon and Winter Soldier, we're not going to have Marvel in our lives for a little while. So they dropped the first trailer of Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, goes back into a little bit of detail about who the Mandarin might be, a little bit of the past history of the Ten Rings, plus also some of the what's happening in the now with our hero himself, Shang-Chi, and Aquafina as his friend, uh, you know, or someone he meets along the way right. who he befriends and gets into a lot of calamity herself, especially driving a bus when she has to go ahead and drive a bus because a lot of stuff happens there. But the trailer kicked off this week and a lot of people were excited about it. I know Josh and I have repeatedly talked about our enthusiasm for this because of the fact that it could elevate the Kung Fu genre to a whole new level and to incorporate that into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I think is something that can be just called a win-win for everyone around. Yeah, man. This trailer was hot this week. Hot. I mean, hot. It, it, hot. Yeah. Honestly, I did that just to see if you would reply with that. Hot there. Hot. But, hot. <laughs> but, dude, watch the trailer. My mind was blown. The visuals were outstanding. Even just the storyline of the trailer was really captivating, dude. I'm with you and Josh. I think bringing Kung Fu into the mix here with the Marvel Cinematic Universe can bring out some really interesting aspects of storytelling, whatever you want to call it. I feel like we're setting the stage for the next takeoff here for the MCU, and we'll move forward, man. It's This is going to be a great film. I'm hyped for it. That's all it is, dude. It's just the background on the Mandarin. You know, if you look at what's happening with the comic books and the storyline from there, we're actually taking the Mandarin and replacing his father figure from the comic books, who is actually kind they're of actually a, combining it. I think they're combining yeah, those elements. They're, yeah, they're combining those elements. And, you know, in the comic books, the father figure is a controversial character. Hmm. It's interesting to see what we're doing at the storyline here. I think this is a great, great, great move by Disney and Marvel, period. This is going to be a really captivating movie, and I think this is going to set the stage moving forward. You really called it out. We are going to be in a Marvel drought for a while, and this is going to be hopefully the thing that tides us over until the our next release, which is Black Widow. Well, it's going to be Black Widow and Loki. They're going to be coming right on top of each other. So right, you'll be right. able to not only be able to see it in the movies, if you want to pay the premium price, you can go ahead and pay the 30 bucks. 
you could see it at home on Disney Plus. Plus, also, you'll be able to catch Loki, and those episodes are coming in June as well. So you've got a June that's packed. Your May is going to be a little bit dry at Marvel, but that'll give you time to catch your breath and go ahead and get into the next phase of Marvel coming up in June. But Shang-Chi, that trailer was just so awesome. I, I really, you know, Marvel does a lot of things so cool. And the way they rewarded and dropped that trailer on Simu Liu from Kim's Convenience, that hit show yeah. that's now on Netflix in its final season, Simu Liu, he's the star of it. He looks like he's going to be a big, huge star in the making. It looks like as far as from a, not only an entertainment and comedic, but also from a, you know, obviously a martial arts aspect. It looks like right. something going to be very exciting. I'm very, very intrigued by what this is going to be offering us. In fact, Josh and I were pointing towards this upcoming movie. This and Black Widow for us, especially for me, both of these films were the movies of the next two years that I'm looking forward to the most because of certain different aspects with each. With Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings, it's because the advent of the the martial arts aspect, which is something that I think has really been sorely needed. And the infusion of that into the MCU is going to be something very worthwhile. Yeah, man, I agree. I think we've talked about it before. I did martial arts growing up, Chimu Kwan style Taekwondo. And I mean, I've really had a lot of fun with it. It's had a lasting impact on my life. And just seeing where we're heading with the MCU with Shang-Chi, it kind of ignited some sort of energy in me. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to what we're going to do with this. My girls are now training in Kung Fu. And that's something that they truly appreciate every time that they go ahead and do so and are able to go ahead and get the opportunity. So I am looking forward to this film with immense excitement. And I think you are as well. So I want to hear your thoughts out there, everyone. What are your thoughts on the Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings trailer that just dropped? And if you didn't get a chance to see it, that's okay. You just go to Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, scroll down, and you'll see the link right there for it. So what are your thoughts on Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, that first trailer, that first look that came out in honor of the birthday of the star of the movie, Simu Liu? Share us your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Hey, this is Chad from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to Pop Culture Cosmos Podcast. Hey, Lakers fans. Looking for the best place to go for up-to-date news, information, original videos, articles, podcasts, opinion pieces, and discussions about the world champion, Los Angeles Lakers? Well, look no further than Lakerholics.com. With a legion of followers always there talking about everything Lakers and the NBA, there's no better place to go to share your fandom as the team heads toward another championship run. So stop by and be part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.com. Well, we're back with the show. A lot more to talk about on today's program. Once again, I want to go ahead and just give a shout out to many of our radio stations that we picked up recently, including the great folks at KCWRS. I want to thank them so much for allowing us to be on their station. Also as well, KLab, News Force, Real Wise Productions, Beach House Radio, Paisley Radio. You guys are all awesome. Every radio station, we truly appreciate it. And also, we will be in the next couple of weeks, we'll be in the UK once again with Radio Oxen. All the radio stations in the UK that play us, we truly appreciate it. And Radio Oxen, we're glad to be on your station as well. But there's so much more to talk about on today's program. There's a movie that's coming out. Finally, got delayed a week because of the success of Godzilla versus Kong, but... Mortal Kombat, 
is now available at, as of the time you will hear this on podcast outlets and radio stations everywhere. It's out in the wild, all over theaters and also HBO Max. It is, as the director was saying, he wanted to go ahead and make it tried and true to the formula that's known and beloved by many fans out there. Right. It is violent. It is graphic. It is going to try and extend itself into its own universe because every single movie out there wants to do that now these days. So I think if you're going in expecting it to be a movie that's going to lead in to a tournament and to something right away and a final conclusion all of itself, like the original Mortal Kombat movie, I think that part of it's going to be disappointed because they are not going to cover that in this film. And it's not spoilers. It's something that everybody said out there already. They get the call for it, but they're, it's, it's about the story leading into it. And I think the next upcoming movie or movies will lead you into what's going to happen in the tournament. So I want to hear your thoughts. It's still graphic, violent, plenty of fights, everything you want to expect as a Mortal Kombat fan. I want to hear your thoughts on your excitement level as we talked about with Shang-Chi. What's your excitement level with Mortal Kombat? You mean Mortal Kombat? Yeah, something like that. We've talked about it before. I feel like, what was it, mid-February we were talking about Mortal Kombat because that was about the time one of the first trailers came out, I think. Dude, I, I still, and I'll bring it up again, I went and saw this movie with one of our best family friends, Dr. K, and I mean, dude took us to the movie theaters and... I mean, just was as hyped as I was, you know, and, and our family friend's son was as well. I mean, dude, I know that I said this about Shang-Chi, but martial arts, man, you know, it's kind of baked into my blood. And at this point, you know, seeing anything where you've got a little bit of martial arts coming out in the movie theaters, I'm excited about it. What I'm worried about is we've already dropped the hints that we're looking at four movies, man. Are we setting the sights too high right out the gate? Should we have not said anything about this before the release of the movie? I mean, I understand that we're we're building a cinematic universe like you were saying, but oh my gosh, dude, can we just take it one step at a time, find out what's working and then go from there? I really don't want to end up in a situation where Mortal Kombat is destroyed because my idea of Mortal Kombat and the success of the movies from the 90s in my head, I understand that they might not have been as popular as as I ever saw them, but dude, I really hope we don't do a disservice to the entire franchise, but I don't think we will. But that's my concern. I, I, and I do want to get that out there. That's my lone concern with this moving forward. That One of the things, well, I also want to ask you this. The lead character, his name is Cole. It's a brand new character from scratch. It's not something related yeah. to the Mortal Kombat series, but eventually it looks like he's a heir to the throne of scorpion so eventually yes. it sounds like from all instances that he's going to be taking up the mantle of scorpion so it kind of is a new character and he kind of isn't when he starts taking a hold of his scorpion roots so i want to hear your thoughts on that as far as making up a whole new character one of the characters that wasn't included because i thought it was a, a, a character that had provided too much levity and this is a movie that's not going to be needing of too much levity, is Johnny Cage. Now that I've heard the director talk about that, maybe I'm not too sad that Johnny Cage is in there because I was first kind of upset that Johnny Cage was not in it. But I, your, your when thoughts... We talked about this earlier. You were pretty yeah. upset about Johnny Cage not being in Yeah, there. but now, now in the context, if he's there and you don't really want to change... It, I mean, because if Johnny Cage is in there, your tone has changed. I mean, Johnny Cage was uh, the the actor who played Johnny Cage was one of the best parts of the original movie. 
But again, it, that's why you couldn't take it as seriously as maybe some people wanted to in the original movie because of the fact that it was very light, it was very campy, yeah. things of that nature. They obviously want to set a darker, more serious tone now. They didn't say they wouldn't include Johnny Cage in the future. In fact, they talked about if a sequel happens that he could very much be a part of that. But right. I want to hear your thoughts on creating a whole new character, leaving Johnny Cage out, but putting this Cole individual in. Yeah, Cole leading into Scorpion and leaving Johnny Cage out. Really bold move. But I do think that this is going to be successful in the long run. Like you said, Johnny Cage was a little campy in that early movie. And it, it kind of ended up in, in a situation where it's hard to create a cinematic universe when you have somebody as campy as that when you're, I mean, the other half of your movie is blood and core, right? The uh, only thing they couldn't put in, and they drew the line at the spine rip, where you rip out the guy's uh, right, yeah. skull and spine attach. They did not add that in there. I don't know if that's disappointing to some people out there, but I mean, the same. Yeah, we gotta we gotta draw the realiz- realism line somewhere, right? You know, and pulling somebody's you know spine. Uh, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I could have put that in there. I mean, it's an homage. It's not to a Michael game. Bay movie. But then you again, know? you could do it in the sequel. There you go. <laughs> you can do it in the sequel, man. But I'm not mad about creating a whole new character, kind of merging some storylines here into that character. Leaving out Johnny Cage, we talked about it. I remember you were really upset about it. I was kind of indifferent, and you know I'm still pretty much indifferent about it. And especially after I read some of the the director's notes on it. Did you read the what was it the Hollywood Reporter article on it? Yeah, sure. and I've I've also checked a lot of the videos and his video commentary as well. I mean, he has stated why he, it just would change the tone, and I get that right. Now, yeah, and he, I understand that now, and I'm cool with that. This is not going to be an Academy Award winner by any stretch of the imagination, but. I think they want us for this beginnings of what they hope to be a maybe a two, three, four, five movie arc of he's talked about four. Well, if it's done well and if it makes a lot of money, it's going to expand beyond that. Let's just say that right now. But it'll be the next Fast and the Furious. Exactly. I mean, how many more? Okay, let me ask you this. How far are we up to on Mortal Kombat, the video game? Oh, man, I don't I can't tell you off the top of my head. MK11 plus. Don't we have some interim titles in there that didn't have yeah, oh yeah. the number? And then yeah. why do they keep on doing it? Because it makes money. It does make money. Yeah, you're right. Plain and simple argument there, dude. And it's it'll make money. We know it'll make money. It might not make as much money domestically as they want, but we know it'll hit the international community and just sail. Well, we're hoping for some good things when it comes to Mortal Kombat. I'm going to try in a very busy weekend to check it out. I mean, we got Falcon and Winter Same. Soldier. Yeah. We've also got Shadow and Bone. We've also got a lot of other stuff on the plate, but we're going to try and check it out and share our thoughts on the Monday show. So if you have any thoughts on Mortal Kombat, please let us know. And don't rip our spines out, please. We want to keep them in place. But share your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Before we go on to Netflix, HBO Max did let you know as far as the AT&T whole hierarchy. And they did talk about that because they're owned by AT&T. And They talked about the number of subscribers they got in Q1 of this year. And they talked about how they've garnered almost 3 million subscribers and gained 3 million subscribers, which for them was ahead of Wall Street expectations. And Wall Street expectations now are and projections that they've actually lowered the time frame on when they will reach a plateau of 120 to 150 million subscribers. So they're they're thinking about it's going to happen sooner rather than later, which is a good thing for them. But what right. I ask you this before we head on to Netflix real quick is 
do you think once all these day and date releases, because people will be able to watch Mortal Kombat in their homes the same day it releases, as you're listening to this, for the next eight days? And they're going to do the same thing with all these other upcomings like The Conjuring, The Matrix 4, Suicide Squad, et cetera, et cetera. Once right. that all goes away in 2022 and they want to go back to the normal thing, do you think they're going to see that same type of progression upwards and continue those positive projections? You know, I would hope they would, but this is a really strong stance to, to take at this point in time. You know, the success that we've seen over the last year on the streaming platforms, especially Netflix, man, and we're going to talk about that in a minute, and, and I, I get that, but, you know, I think you're you're really boxing yourself in here, and I, I understand that what they're trying to do is is set the standard and hopefully lead the industry that direction, but this is a big miss in my book. You know, I, I'm with you. I think people are going to become very accustomed to day and date releases, being able to sit at home, watch whatever they're watching, or, you know, whatever's the big release that weekend, and you can't really put... What what is it? Can't really. <laughs> well, think of it like podcasting. Think of it like yeah. podcasting because Apple just talked about as far as the release of some of the things that they're doing and releasing some of the equipment and and uh, what the new iPad and the you know all the other i stuff that they're bringing out. They also talked about subscription podcasts and the thing is, millions of podcasts seemingly are out there that are free of charge to listen to. Right. You know, getting people to buy into it might be too late after that horse has already left the barn. And the same thing would go for HBO Max if they go ahead to a regular scheme next year of going ahead and trying to do the same thing as far as, oh, it's back to normal. We're going to go ahead and release everything in the theaters in a couple months. You'll be able to see it on HBO Max. People might not dig with that. People might not like it. And people may not sign up as fast for HBO Max at that point in time. But that's the litmus test. We're going to wait and see what it's like in 2022. And of right. course, hopefully we will be able to report on that here on the show. But speaking of numbers, and we're going to transition into Netflix now, where Netflix just had its Q1 report and talked about how it did not meet investors' predictions about how they were going to be able to go in and garner at least 6 million new subscribers above their already 200 million plus subscribers that they have. Well, unfortunately, they didn't hit that mark. They got to about 80% of it, which is about $4 million. And that's leading a lot of people to believe that maybe the growth of Netflix is slowing down a little bit faster than some people had originally anticipated. And I know Netflix has talked about increasing their budget to about $19 billion for content. That's billion with a B. Yeah, with a B. 19, yeah, so that's, I think, six to eight billion dollars more than what they were spending last year so it's not for a lack of trying but are you thinking that this may be the kind of like the eh, the plateau the you know the the top of the mountain they might be reaching when it concerns their subscriber base no i i think what we're seeing here is when they talk about it in their paperwork from the uh numbers released this week that they pulled demand forward due to covid19 you know and so their big thing was we pulled demand forward so hard that we were able to just, you know, almost feel like exponentially grow here during the pandemic. And it makes it hard to cross that bar when you hit the first quarter of 2021. And so am I concerned? A little bit. You know, do I think it's healthy to be concerned about something like that? Yeah. But, you know, in the long run, 4 million subscribers is 4 million subscribers, man. That's a lot of people still putting money in Netflix's pocket. I understand that they missed the mark by 2 million, according to Wall Street. But you also have to understand that you know, Netflix is in uncharted territories. I mean, every streaming platform is right now. You're looking at your year-over-year -year subscriber growth 
and comparing quarter by quarter, it's not going to match up to last year. You know, we're seeing the same thing with retail establishments. Your numbers, uh, but it's kind of the the opposite way, right? You know, let's take like Lowe's, for example. Lowe's is year over year for today, April 22nd or April 23rd, when you're hearing this, is going to be a lot more than it was this time last year. This is just a numbers game at the end of the day. I think people need to take into account that, you know, now that shots are getting into people's arms, it's going to be easier for you to not sit on the couch and watch Bridgerton or Cobra Kai or you name it. And it's not going to have that draw as much as, you know, Tiger King did this time last year that drew everybody in and made everybody want to subscribe to Netflix while they were sitting on their couch at home for 24 hours a day. (laughs) Cobra Kai was truly outstanding. They talked about a lot of the other shows gaining 40, 50, 60 million views. And that's just amazing to see what they can do with some of these shows. And they have another show that's dropping this weekend for everybody out there. And that's Shadow and Bone. That series is dropping this weekend on Netflix. And in typical Netflix fashion, they were just going to drop it all in binge-worthy fashion all at one time on you. So this weekend, you can go ahead, among all the other things you can catch that we talked about, you can catch Shadow and Bone as well, the latest fantasy series now available on Netflix. So I want to hear your thoughts. This looks to be very intriguing as far as fantasy series. The last fantasy series, they've gotten a great deal of success from. The Witcher has done big numbers for them. Season two is on the way. A lot of people are excited for it. I want to hear your thoughts. If Shadow and Bone, based off, think off of the book series, that's uh, a successful book series that's available. I want to hear your thoughts. If you think that this could be the next big hit fantasy series for Netflix. It's entirely possible, man. And and I think that a lot of it's going to be the user-based response right out the gate. They've done a lot to, and I was reading an article, I think yesterday, talking about how they've done a lot to pull some of the sexist overtones out of the book, setting the, the, the show up for filming and everything. I'm really excited to see what happens here. You know, you mentioned The Witcher. The Witcher, to me, was a great step into this fantastical world that Netflix could provide for me. You know, it's not something that we've seen out of Netflix really other than like, I don't know, Black Mirror Bandersnatch or something. You kind of have to go into these like weird alternate universes to see anything fantastical. And and, I mean, not even Black Mirror because that's more reality based. But regardless, look, man, my big thing here is we're opening up these young adult novels into this IP for Netflix. It's going to be great. For growth, I think over the next quarter, this quarter, technically, because I think we're in, we're already, yes, definitely, we're yeah. already in Q2. Yeah, that started in April. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I've, I've had a long three weeks, folks. It's, yeah, uh, I know, it's... <laughs> my bad, my bad, sorry, sorry. Uh, but uh, anyways, it doesn't matter. Yeah, we're into Q2, so it, this should help their, their subscriber growth. I'd be interested to see maybe a month out from now if we can get some early returns on numbers. I know we never do, but if we ever got early returns on numbers to see how their subscribership is doing, I bet we're going to see quite a jump here after Shadow and Bone is released. Well, the only way you're able to get numbers really, I mean, Nielsen kind of finds impressions and there's a few other sites that find how many recognitions. Netflix only gives you the numbers these days when they want to. And that's usually like we've talked about with their Q1 report, where they talked right. about the number of subscribers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And they also talked about their top 10 shows that have resonated with their viewers. If you hear about the success of Shadow and Bone, they'll be sure to throw it out there on their Q2 report coming up here in a couple to a two, three, four months down the line. So mm-hmm. you'll be able to hear it then, but I don't think you'll hear it much sooner. But you'll be able to get a feel for it. If people keep their eye out on variety.com, 
they work with Nielsen and they kind of get a feel for the impressions for some of the early word and the early advanced popularity of some of these shows. Like for right now, they're getting some real good feedback with Nielsen on how well the early episodes of Falcon and Winter Soldier are doing compared to right. the Netflix behemoth. So that's a way you can keep up with it. Just wanted to tell everybody where I try to reference. But right now, you're not going to hear Netflix straight up until it gets to that Q2 report on how well Shadow and Bone are going to be doing. But they've given it a good amount, a fair amount of pub. I'm looking forward to seeing what Shadow and Bone is all about. You're right. It is more of a young adult fantasy world that they're creating. But they're hooking people in at a younger age, which I think is smart because if you like it, you're going to stay with Netflix for years to come. And that's what they need to do to build new subscribers is, okay, you're getting the moms and dads, but what about the teenage boys and girls that are out there? Are you getting with them with all the stuff that they're doing uh, to all the boys? That garnered 50 million plus views with Lana Condor and that great hit for them. That was something right. that, that connected with them. Those young ladies and young men who were watching it on mom and dad's account, when they move out, they're going to be adding on Netflix as a almost as a standard that they have to go ahead and do once they go out into college, once they go out in the real world and things of that nature. So right. they'll be adding it. So that's what Netflix, Netflix and Disney are trying to put impressions on you to go ahead and make sure that they will be a staple of your viewing lives going forward. I think they both are starting to do real good jobs of that. And I look forward to seeing the numbers continuously and we'll be able to report on right here on the show each and every week or whenever they come out. And we'll be glad to do so. So, yeah, like I said, they're always evasive on those numbers, but they only once try to tell you. Yeah, once a quarter or when in the case of HBO Max, when they love like the success of Godzilla versus Kong, where they love to throw it out at you. If it's something really successful, they'll definitely do so indeed. But we want to hear your thoughts. Is Shadow and Bone the next great fantasy hit series for Netflix? We want to hear your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, coming up next, we're going to be talking about some Oscar predictions. Disney and Sony make a deal. The future for PlayStation Plus. And also, speaking of the future, the future of Call of Duty itself because of the success of Call of Duty Warzone. We're going to talk about all those things and more coming up on the back half of the show. This is the PC Multiverse. If you want to see the coolest action figure collections out there, the stuff that you played with as a kid, hear from industry insiders that made the toys that really truly defined who we are. And you gotta check out season one of Action Figure Adventure. Check out Action Figure Adventure now, exclusively at Big Bad Toy Store. You'll get 10 episodes of awesome action figure fun. I guarantee if you grew up playing toys, you will love Action Figure Adventure. And we're back with the PCC Multiverse. It is Gerald Glassford, along with my good friend, Marcus De La Garza. I want to thank you so much for everyone that's watching and listening out there. We truly appreciate it. We cannot thank you enough for doing so. Catch, again, our shows every Monday and Friday, wherever you get your podcasts, or on the over 30, closing in on 40, radio stations worldwide. We truly appreciate you doing so. But my friend, there's so much left to talk about on today's program. The future of Call of Duty, I'm bringing into question. I'm going to bring it in. I know this is something I touch on about at least once a year, and I'm going to do it again. And since you are the PlayStation fanboy that Josh likes to refer himself to as the Xbox fanboy, 
And you I'm have have, you have to have that balance, man. It's the yin I'm and yang. Switzerland. I'm in the middle. I'm in, although I am leaning for this generation Xbox to start off with. I'm mm. just saying that right now, but yeah. I'm going to probably get both. So I will get both. But anyways, speaking of our good friends at Call of Duty, Call of Duty recently announced this week that their awesome free-to-play game that you can start off with, but you know, obviously it's more than that. Once you really get into it, you have to start right. spending some dollar roonies. Call of Duty Warzone has reached 100 million players. And as I said earlier, it seems like all of them are streaming. But I wanted to ask you this. Call of Duty Warzone has reached 100 million players, and there's still the success of Call of Duty Cold War, which once again in March reached the top status and NPD charts in North America here in the U.S., as the number one game, but it fell down to number two in February, just to give you a heads up. Ooh. So it did not achieve the long lasting success at number one in previous years as other games in the series have done. But it is again, number one, as far as the best selling video game here in the US as of right now. So I want to hear your thoughts on this, my friend, with so much emphasis on Call of Duty Warzone, and they just dropped a celebrity filled live action trailer for season three yeah that was yeah they just dropped that as we were talking here and i got a chance to check it out and see all the sports stars and entertainment stars and all that just going ahead and basically blowing each other up as best they can during the course of a 30 second commercial but i wanted to ask you this my friend that the future for call of duty seems to me on the surface lie in war zone and much less on the future of the standard yearly editions of the video games that we get or we buy, their hard copy or download digitally. I'm thinking that at some point we may see an end to the yearly editions. I'm not saying it's going to be this year. I'm not even going to say it's next year, but the success of Warzone as it reaches 150, 200 million players that end could be someday in the not too distant future. Yeah, man, I think it's going to be a, a lot closer than any of us are anticipating. You know, when you start looking at what Fortnite did, what PUBG did, and you look at their business model of just continuing to release map packs, continuing to update this game, it's not something that's unfamiliar to Destiny players over the last three or four years. You know, and it, that's not the only video game. We've, we've seen game passes pop up on a lot of franchises where, you know, you can get two or three years out of a console game. Is this going to change the future? Is this going to standardize across the industry? I think so. You literally just have to look at the success of what Fortnite did, what PUBG did, and now what Call of Duty Warzone's doing. Well, let me ask you this. I mean, is it more financially feasible to spend $200 million dollars? on a yearly edition of call of duty or is it more financially feasible to go ahead and spend 200 million dollars and put it into another season or upgrade for call of duty warzone i think activision may someday ask themselves that question if they're not asking it already yeah it's hard to rank where you put these these expansions or you know these new seasons for call of duty warzone is that a standalone title? Does that take the place of a standalone title? That's up to the end user to decide, right? In my book, I think that's almost does operate as a standalone title. That being said, you have to have a great starting point 
And if you don't have a great starting point, you're not going to build the user base as quickly as you need to build to have this kind of model successful. Luckily, Call of Duty has built upon years of success, and they've got to this point where they could roll out seasons for Warzone and watch and see what happened. And I think what we're looking at is the long-term success of seasons in Call of Duty's franchise. Well, it's going to be something very interesting to see. I still want to stay on this subject for a little while longer because Call of Duty, I mean, the behemoth that has been since what Call of Duty Modern Warfare, I think that's when the series really took off back in 2007. Right. It just brought Call of Duty to a whole different level at that point in time. Call of Duty was a good game. People liked it. People were getting into it. And then Call of Duty Modern Warfare came out and everybody talked. Did you go through the ghillie suit level? Did you go through this level? Were you able to play the multiplayer? And that ghillie suit level was so good. Exactly. I mean, it's still something people talk about to this day about how good that particular level is and the level design of all of it and the story that it kept up with. And, you know, I know that something that I've talked about is that they've already done is they've already freshened up Call of Duty Modern Warfare for a PS4, Xbox One generation they might touch on that again i think something that they could go ahead and earn more money is by rehashing all these campaigns and touching them all up and releasing them maybe out as a group not giving you the whole experience of some of the other things that were added onto it but some of the best parts of call of duty over this what now 14 going on 15 year period actually you can go even more if you talk about the original call of duties and call of duty one and two I mean, there's so much lore that's there. There's so many good parts of the series that you could bring back and freshen up and bring out to a new audience that you can make money on while still focusing the majority of your efforts on Call of Duty Warzone because I think that's where your future might be headed. Yeah, man, I agree. If you could come out with a nice pack, brought a lot of the campaigns back into play here. You know, even if you rehash top to bottom, start looking at Call of Duty 1, Call of Duty 2, eventually get up to world at war which is my first taste of multiplayer call of duty online actually i rode that campaign or that that entire game for a while i ended up joining my first gaming squad with that game you know eventually you know moving into modern warfare it was an outstanding franchise and i think that you know if you started moving top to bottom if you could group the first three or four games i don't know the first three, three games together start calling it the heroes pack and every you release a new season or every every half year you release a new season that has a little bit more of the franchise gameplay or the campaign gameplay from the franchise you have a successful model you can just keep building on top of everything you've done akin to warzone here man i think if call of duty can do what what you're speculating they should do rehashing all these titles They've got a moneymaker. Just back up the Brinks truck, man. I know that's one of our favorite sayings, but bring it in, man. You can start charging people for those little upgrades, make a little bit of money, you know, do some things that will enhance their gaming experience as they play through these titles. And we'll see Activision just keep bringing them wheelbarrow after wheelbarrow of cash. Well, I mean, it's something that you got to look at because some of those campaigns are truly historic and very memorable to a great many people. And to be able to go ahead in today's modern gaming world where rehashes, remakes, refurbishments, re-everything that are done to all these hits from the past and even not so big hits of the past, they're all being refreshed up and, and trying to go ahead and score with a new audience. I see Activision, and we know how money-hungry Activision has been over the years. I see them going ahead this route and seeing it as a cost 
alternative to going ahead and producing another $200 million AAA game again and again and again and getting less and less returns from it while you've got everybody installing Call of Duty Warzone again and again and again. Because I'm just seeing it right now, something we were talking about with Netflix, where, okay, it's not it's rising, it's interesting, but uh, there's interest in, in Netflix, it's still rising, but there's a little bit of a tipping point. So I want to ask you this, are we seeing a little bit of a tipping point when it comes to Call of Duty and the fact that more people in the future may lean towards Warzone and less towards these AAA releases that they go ahead and do every single year. Yeah, absolutely. This is definitely the tipping point. You know, we've hit the pinnacle of yearly console releases, right? And I think with their realization that Warzone needed to move towards seasons and anything that comes thereafter, this is the tipping point. We will see that Call of Duty is leading us into the next decade of video game releases. And it's kind of cool to be uh, a part of and be able to, to witness this, this moment of history and, and how we're going to revolutionize the delivery of entertainment to folks, you know, when it comes to video games. Why do we need to scrap everything year over year? And, you know, the times we don't scrap everything year over year, you hear it from the fan base. They're upset that some of the game mechanics look just the same as last year. Why do that? Why put yourself through that if you're Activision? Let's just take a stable platform that we know works well, that visually is appealing, and let's just build and build and build and build on top of that. Again, I'm expecting this Christmas to be another Call of Duty release coming out sometime in November, late October, as always. And I'm even expecting it next year. But five years down the road, we may be talking just about Call of Duty Warzone and not talking necessarily about any releases that come year after year, because there may be a point in time where Activision says, you know what, we're making so much money off of Warzone, we need to focus on that instead of primarily those year-near releases we've been known for. I am on board with this idea that this might be the beginning of the end for the annual release. What are your thoughts out there on the future of Call of Duty? We'd love to hear your thoughts. Pop Culture Cosmos at yahoo.com you're listening to the pop culture cosmos don't touch that dial wait do, do people still use dials if you need your video game fix be sure to check out retro city games located in town square on las vegas boulevard or in henderson nevada retro city games has the cure for all your video game vices retro games and games for current consoles nintendo sega playstation xbox and more retro city games has all the staples from any library and some highly collectible offerings too. So pick up a few games today at Retro City Games in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada. Retro City Games is your video game metropolis. Well, my friend, before we head on out, there's still so much to talk about on today's program. Disney and Sony have made a deal. Now, it's not that big of a deal on the surface, but Sony will be, after they're showing all their stuff and all their wares on Netflix... After a period of time, I think a few months, a few weeks in certain cases, they will be able to show and start showing on Disney platforms and the FX channels, also going into Hulu, but Disney Plus as well. So that means at some point in time, fans will be able to see the new Spider-Man movies on a Disney Plus platform so they can complete their Marvel channel in its entirety. And they'll be able to go ahead and have that opportunity, which I think is great. It's Again, it's not going to happen tomorrow. For instance, the latest Spider-Man movie that's coming out later this year, No Way Home, that's going to appear first in theaters. 
and then it's going to appear on Netflix. And then after that, it's going to appear on Disney Plus. So it's going to be in that realm. Things like Venom will go straight to Hulu because I don't think Venom will get the time of day on Disney Plus. There'll be other things as well heading to Hulu and Disney outlets. I want to hear your thoughts on this. I know it's not that huge of a deal, but as a Disney Plus fan, it's something to look forward to. Yeah, as a Disney Plus fan, this just sweetens the pot in the long run. If you start looking at the deal itself, Netflix is going to have first dibs on anything post-theatrical release. And, you know, that's fine. It seems like it's going to be on Netflix for nine, ten months or so. And eventually it'll make its way over to Disney+. Plus. I think that's a great timeline that gives the audience some time to really have that hype. And by the time it makes it to Disney+, and has that announcement that it is hitting that streaming platform, you will have that second surge and draw for their viewer base. Yeah, this is a huge deal. I was pretty excited a couple weeks ago when we talked about the Netflix Sony deal. Man, was that just a few weeks ago? Yeah. Yeah, it's been this last month has felt like (laughs) no worries, man. No worries. But it's interesting to me that Disney capitalized on that deal. I think they saw that they were going to end up missing out. And all of a sudden it was like, Hey, we need to get in the boardroom and start figuring this one out and start making this deal with Sony. I'm on board with it. It's, It's bringing the MCU into one home and it doesn't do it right away, but it does do it eventually. So for the extreme fans, like we are, we can take that time and, and watch every single piece of IP that Disney and Marvel have to offer. Again, it's not going to appear like Spider-Man tomorrow on Disney Plus or anything like that. It is going to be something where you will see Spider-Man movies and other Sony movies appearing on Disney Plus and also the other Disney family networks and outlets. So that's something to look forward to if you have Hulu, possibly even if you love FX and other outlets like that. So It's something to look forward to there. But before we lean away from Sony, I wanted to mention this. Speaking of their movies, they recently started up as of we're recording this in Poland. It's in Poland because of the certain streaming laws and that Netflix and Disney Plus have a hard time dealing with and getting around that Sony has introduced movie options to PlayStation Plus as far as you being able to free of charge access them because you've already paid for the playstation plus service so not only will you get free games you get a choice of free movies and that's some of their current allotment that they have available like you'll be able to download venom like we talked about just a second ago in the previous spider-mans etc etc i think this is a pretty good idea a lot of people are underestimating this in poland it's going to work wonders because of again like i said for the streaming issues that they have in that country and the rights issues and things of that nature Right. But do you see this as something that they could possibly transition into the U.S., North American, European markets as far as it's concerned? Not only getting two, three, or four great games every month on the PlayStation Plus like they do already. Some of them are really good. Some of them are eh, not so good. Right. But maybe throwing in a movie or two, maybe some television series. Something that will entice you to go ahead. I I think this would be something that's really cool and something that would be enticing for people to go ahead and stick with PlayStation Plus. I do want to say that one of the big things that I think Sony was aiming to do with the PS4 was make it the hub of your entertainment center. Drive that viewership through the PS4 for any streaming platform you you were touching at the time and anything that you were doing entertainment related. And Mm -hmm. I think it did that very well for a lot of years. Eventually, you had smart TVs that came out that just squashed on the PS4 in in that respect and killed it from that perspective. What they're doing here is it feels like the play for modernization. 
and I, I'm on board with this. PS3 moving forward, you've been able to to buy movies from the PlayStation Store. Well, they did um, a reversal that they are keeping on the shelves. They are keeping it open for Vita games and some of the older PlayStation games. They are keeping them available for sale after saying the previous week that they were going out of style. Some of that's a little bit of covering their butt. Because they got a lot of heat for it. Yeah. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think this is a great play by Sony to modernize their platform. You know, if, if you can figure out your streaming platform in a in one country and, and get it perfected and then release it across the world or even just to the international community, because I think they're going to have issues with streaming rights here in the States. I think they are going to do a great deal to modernize themselves for the international community and, and eventually the U.S., you know, when, when they do acquire those streaming rights. So, yeah, dude, I think this is a great play. This is a great experiment. I hope it's very successful because that will sell more PS5 units because if you can make that PS5 your hub of entertainment, game over. And not just video games, movies, TV shows, everything. I think that's what we're doing with PlayStation Plus and the possibility of streaming movies moving forward. What are your thoughts out there on possibly someday PlayStation Plus adding movies, television shows, and other Sony assets to its features? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Well, my friend, it's been a great episode, but before we head on out, I feel like we should be wearing tuxedos because we have arrived for the red carpet, my friend. It is that time for the final Oscar predictions because this Sunday it is Oscar time and there are odds that are out. Someone I've been able to interview in the past, I've been very fortunate to go ahead and have the chance to interview him. Rafael Esparza of Doc Sports, a truly tremendous guy. He just does a lot of great work out there. As an odds maker, he touches on all the sports odds. So if you want to go ahead and check out DocSports.com, please go ahead and do so. They have a lot of great odds makers there, including him. But one of the things that he loves to do and throw out there is a ton of pop culture stuff. And I get stuff from him every single day on various pop culture odds that you can place wagers on. Now, mind you, they're most likely at offshore places and offshore websites. Please gamble responsibly if you do. I got to put that disclaimer in there because you know you can't mention it without doing it. <laughs> but can't. I wanted to go ahead and talk about some of the odds that are out for Oscars than what he has. So I want to give him a big shout out. It's again Rafael Esparza. Check him out on DocSports.com. But I want to go ahead and start off with best animated feature. So the best animated movie of last year. Here are the odds right now, and I want to hear your thoughts on what you think will actually win in its place, okay? So you ready, my friend? You got your tuxedo on. You've got your your cards, you know, on who the winners might be on you. Got all set. There you go. All right. Getting it straightened out right now. Okay. Best animated feature film at plus 2,500 is Shaun the Sheep. Plus 1,600 is Over the Moon. Plus 1,400 is Onward. Plus 750 is Wolf Walkers, a very underrated film. People should check that one out. And at minus 4,000, huge favorite is Soul. My pick is Soul. So the Oscar goes to Soul, in my opinion. But your thoughts on who will win the best animated feature film? Yeah, I'm with you there on Soul. Outstanding film. Coming up next, we're going to be touching on the best supporting actress. So we'll run this off real quickly for you, my friend, because we just got a few minutes left. Olivia Coleman, who will be part of the Secret Invasion in Marvel, she, along with Amelia Clark, 
who also been reportedly attached to Secret Invasion. So it's no longer a secret of those two. But Olivia right. Coleman is at plus 1,800 for the father. Amanda Seafried for Mank at plus 1,800. Glenn Close for Hillbilly Elegy. She's at plus 1,500. Maria Bakalova for Bort 2, Bort subsequent movie film. She's at plus 500. And Yoon Yoo Jung from Minari. People have got to go ahead and check that movie out. She's the favorite at minus 600. I've been saying all year that Maria Bakalova is my pick, and I thought it was, she would win it hands down, and she was the favorite before Minari got a lot of press. Yep. I think Minari is an excellent film. I'm not going to dissuade people from that. If there's any category that I think Minari will hit on, it's this one. Maria Bakalova, I think, was truly sensational. I'm still picking her as my pick. Who do you have for Best Supporting Actress? I really loved Maria Bakalova as the pick there. I really loved Glenn Close and Hillbilly Elegy. Great film. I understand that that's a, a dividing line for a lot of people. I thought she did an outstanding job. Final answer, Glenn Close. You know what? If she wins that and she wins the Razzie the previous day, that would be the ultimate because she's also nominated for Razzie. It's one of the few times ever, I think might be the first time ever, someone's been nominated for the same performance in the same film for both the Razzie and an Oscar in the same weekend. So... I'm interested to see if she will get picked for both. That would just be killer. I would just die laughing on that one. You'll be hearing me on the Monday show die laughing, I think. Coming up next is Best Supporting Actor. Lakeith Stanfield for Judas and the Black Messiah is at plus 2,800. Paul Rassi, Sound of Metal, plus 2,200. Leslie Odom Jr., One Night in Miami, plus 1,600. Sasha Baron Cohen, Trial of the Chicago 7 at plus 300. And Daniel Kaluuya, Judas and the Black Messiah at minus 2,500. You got to go with this one. I think it's it's easy to call Daniel Kaluuya. He is captivating in that movie. I'm picking Daniel. Who you got? I'm with you on Daniel. Best director. You've got Thomas Vinderberg for another round at plus 2,800. Emerald Fennel for Promising Young Woman, a very underrated movie. I know you yes. talked about that. Plus 1,800. Lee Isaac for Minari at plus 700. David Fincher for Mank at plus 1,000, and Chloe Zhao for Nomadland at minus 2,500. Just the fact that Nomadland is so beloved, it's won a ton of awards, I think Chloe's got this hands down. I don't disagree with that. I, I think she's got all the right things that are going to make her a winner here this, this time around. Best Actress, we're going to go ahead. Vanessa Kirby, Pieces of a Woman at plus 1,600. Andra Day, The United States versus Billie Holiday, very underrated performance. People got to check that out. Plus 550. She was very good in that film. Frances McDormand at No Man Land, plus 350. Viola Davis, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. She was also very good in an excellent film. Plus 150. And Carrie Mulligan, Promising Young Woman, at plus 130. This one is a tight race. There are four candidates that are right there with each other. I'm going to lean towards Carrie Mulligan. Her performance was so captivating. You talked about it at length on one of our recent shows. I want to hear your thoughts on who you might think win this category, but all these performances are top-notch. Let me get that out of the way. I don't know, dude. got to pick one. I'm putting an Oscar to your head, not a, not a gun. So Carrie putting Mulligan. Oscar to you. Carrie yeah. Mulligan. Yeah, I mean, she just killed it in that performance, dude. Okay. All right. Yeah. Fair enough. Best actor, Steven Yeun for Minari. Plus 3,300. So happy for him. You get it killed off by Negan in The Walking Dead. And look what happens right there. Gary Oldman and Mank. 
I thought he was going to be a favorite in this, but he's dropped to a plus 3,300 as well. Riz Ahmed, Sound of Metal, plus 1,400. So he is uh, one of the long shots that could pay off. So a lot of money is going probably on him for Sound of Metal. Anthony Hopkins for the father at plus 700. Chadwick Boseman, I think this is his to lose. Uh, you know, posthumous award for him for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. He is the overwhelming favorite at minus 2,000. I think Chadwick Boseman has this. It is posthumous, but it is very well-deserving nonetheless. I a thousand percent agree with that. You know, I talked about after we watched that movie the very next week on the podcast about how you could tell the energy he gave that it, it was everything he had and you could see how sick he was at that point in time. All right, my friend, we come down to it. The final category that we're going to go ahead. And once again, these odds are been presented by Rafael Spars of DocSports.com. Please go ahead and give him a shout out and also check out all the pop culture odds that he puts out there, DocSports.com, or go ahead and hit him up on the Twitter as well. So please go ahead and give him a big shout out. It is the best picture. The Father at plus 6,500. Sound of Metal at plus 6,500. Mank at plus 2,200. Judas and the Black Messiah at plus 1,600. Promising Young Woman at plus 900. The Trial of the Chicago 7 at plus 800. Minari has moved up big time. A lot of momentum and money is going into Minari. That's a plus 300. And No Man Land is minus 750. I'm going to give you a surprise, my friend. I'm going to say Minari is going to win. Yeah, but you just made that whole argument about how... No Man Land. And... Yeah, I just, I, I don't think that you... Oscar loves to spread it out unless it's a truly exceptional standout film, my friend. They spread the wealth. They do love to spread it out, but I mean, what do you... I feel like if you're really going to be the Oscars and, and take that strategy you were talking about and do the thing that you're not supposed to do, that you've been asked not to do, you give it best picture. Uh, okay, well, I'm, I'm not surprised. I won't be surprised if Nomad Land wins. I, it's the overwhelming yeah. favorite right here. It's minus 750. But I will be with you there. Don't I, be surprised if Minari wins. I'm just No, say. no, I, I'm with you. I think Minari was an outstanding film, and I think that it has the potential to be the best picture winner, you know, no, it's, it's, I'll, I'll say this. I'm putting my money now. I'm changed back and forth. Last second, nomad land for the win, but don't be surprised if, if Minari wins. I'm just, all right, say. well, I'm going opposite pit strategy. Then I'll, I'll go with Minari. Then if you're going nomad land, Oh, there you go. Indeed. <laughs> what are your thoughts last minute on who you might think win the Oscars share us your thoughts, pop culture, cosmos, anywhere on social media, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, wherever you have your social media, go ahead and hit us up, Pop Culture Cosmos, and let us know your thoughts on who will take home those golden statues for the Oscars. Well, my friend, it's been a great episode, but before we head on out, any last thoughts on Falcon and the Winter Soldier Episode 6? We will have already seen it by the time everybody hears this. I am looking forward to getting this episode under my belt and just kind of getting back to watching some TV and, and some movies. I've made reference a, a few times throughout the podcast about having a crazy month, but I will say I'm looking forward to sitting down and watching Falcon and Whitmer Soldier tomorrow and just having a nice, relaxing weekend. If I'm putting that Oscar back to your head, my friend, your thoughts on who ultimately you think is the power broker? No comment. That's no not problem. an answer, man. That's not an answer. One, two, three, four, five.
I, I don't know. Uh, it's, at, at this point, Gerald, I, I have I no answer Sharon for you. I got Sharon Carter. My money, okay, if Ross Field Sparzo is here, I would tell him, for me, the favorite is Sharon Carter. So that's Yeah, but all right, what, what are your odds? Like a minus 700? <laughs> uh, no, not that high, because I know a lot of people have been talking about Julia Luis's Dreyfus character as well. So Yeah, <sighs> and I, I struggle with her as, as an actress sometimes. I can't break her away from her character, Elaine. We're going to have thoughts and review of episode six of Falcon and Winter Soldier. We're going to talk about Mortal Kombat and so much more coming up on the Monday episode of Pop Culture Cosmos. So I hope you will all join us there as well. So for Marcus De La Garza, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping... You have yourself a great day.